doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Lauren about multiple sclerosis. So Lauren was actually my college girlfriend. She was diagnosed with MS when she was 19, right after we started dating. And when I first conceived of creating this podcast, she was absolutely one of the first people on my mind that I wanted to sit down and talk to. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you today because a big feature of Lauren's history with MS is that she, you know, she was diagnosed 15 years ago. She's now 34 and she's doing really well. And it's so great to hear how things have changed and adjusted for her because when we first got together and she was first diagnosed, she really struggled with the diagnosis. She was just so young and it was so hard for her to come to terms with having a disease that was going to be lifelong and trying to figure out how to live with it and live, you know, in concert with it instead of fighting against it. And who could blame her? I mean, what a what an intense thing to have to internalize as a 19-year-old. I feel like every single one of us would have a similar reaction. Sitting down and talking to her now as an adult, it was just so great to hear how well she's doing and just, you know, hearing how she had realized that her own ha attitude about her disease was going to have to change if she was going to le lead her best life. And she's done an amazing job of, you know, doing the mental gymnastics and doing the work to make her life with MS as positive as possible. And I'm thrilled to have recorded this conversation and even more excited to share it with you today. So I am actually out of town this week. I am pre-recording this episode before I go to make sure that we don't have a gap in releasing anything. Andy and I are actually at Lake Tahoe right now, and I assume we're having a super awesome time. This will be my first real vacation in like three years, and I'm super excited. This is the first time I'll be traveling with a wheelchair. And, you know, honestly, like the fact that I'm now using a wheelchair is what is going to allow me to go on a vacation because you know, just like getting through the airport and like shuffling along with my cane and a lot of pain. It's just really tough. Um, and just like walking anywhere is really tough. So yeah, I mean, this is a new thing that the wheelchair is opening back up to me is the opportunity to go on vacation. So I'm taking it. We're going to Tahoe. Can't wait. So the only thing that I'll say before we'll jump into the episode today is that we always need your help and support here at the Major Pain Podcast. You can find all the ways to support the show at majorpainpodcast.com slash support, including our Patreon campaign, leaving a positive rating review on Apple Podcasts, sending a one-time donation, or just sharing the show with a friend. Every little bit helps. You know, I have big dreams for this podcast. I just really believe in this. Um, and I don't know, I'm just so excited to be on this journey right now, and I'm so appreciative that you're here with me. All right, we've got a great conversation with Lauren for you today. I'm so excited to share this with you. So let's jump over to my conversation with Lauren about multiple sclerosis. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hello. We are very excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And I want to mention I am a podcast virgin. <laughs> Well, My first I, one. go easy on me. I, I will. I hope it'll be a, <laughs> a pleasurable experience. This just feels weird. <laughs> weird start. Um, Lauren, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. Uh, well, my name is Lauren and I live in California. Um, it's been a busy year for me. I recently got married 
um, and pregnant. So I am about halfway through my pregnancy right now. So that is kind of my current life. Um, hobby wise, I love yoga. Um, I love animals, particularly cats. I'm a huge cat lady. <laughs> uh, it's gotten worse throughout the years, <laughs> but I'm not ashamed. Um, I love cooking. I am vegetarian, so I'm really into healthy eating and trying to be a better cook um and what else i love music um i still dabble with oboe every christmas for my parents <laughs> a little bit of piano here and there um and yeah i think that's yeah that's, that's awesome we <laughs> we met in college we were both in wind symphony and then and we, we we are actually college sweethearts you might say we dated <laughs> in college <laughs> we did um <laughs> And then we, yeah, we've stayed in touch over the years. And you were actually one of the original people that I thought of when I was creating this show that I really wanted to talk to, uh, because you know, you because you have a major pain that was diagnosed while we dated in college, and it was my first yep. real experience with someone living with something, um, some sort of chronic illness. And now that I've ended up in that boat myself years later, it's been so interesting how. I've been able to completely shift my perspective on what you were experiencing after I experienced some of it. So, yeah. so I'm really excited to talk to you today, um, but let's get into it. So Lauren, what sure. is your major pain? So my major pain is that I have multiple sclerosis. It is a uh, autoimmune disease. Um, your neurons aren't very good at communicating with each other. The myelin sheaths that connect your neurons, um, get pretty much um, destroyed, demyelinated. So depending on where that happens, all sorts of things can happen. Um, they kind of call it an umbrella disease because two people could have MS, but depending on you know where the lesions occur in your brain, you could be experiencing completely different symptoms. So it's a little bit about what it is. Yeah, the, MS is such an interesting disease to talk about because the science on it has changed so much even in just the last 10 years you know there's just like constantly research being done yep yeah i mean i was diagnosed 15 years ago when i was 19 now i'm 34 and um just even the medications that have been available have drastically changed throughout the years yeah, I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to hear all about it because you know I was there for the beginning <laughs> of the journey, but I haven't been there for the bulk of it. So yeah, it um, was difficult. I mean, we were both navigating new waters together. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how to handle it and process it, and you're just thinking, probably, oh my gosh, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's go back in time. So let's go back to when you were 19. Um, actually, even before then. This is actually stuff I did. I never really knew how. How long were you knowing that something was wrong, and what was the process leading up to you getting diagnosed? How long was that? Sure. So it was kind of a fortuitous, uh, unfortunate event. When I was seventeen, I had meningitis right before going to college. Um, so I was in the hospital for a long time. Um, and obviously with meningitis, you want to get an MRI of your brain to look at your meninges. And during that MRI, they found 
lesion or what they called unidentified bright objects, UBOs in, in my brain, which were indicative of MS. Um, at the time at 17, I was like, well, I, I, I don't have any symptoms. I'm pretty sure I feel fine. I did go to a neurologist and get checked out. But with that discovery, I, I kind of had in the back of my mind things to look out for. Mm. Um, so fast forward, going to college um, at 18, um, I started realizing I had some left leg weakness um, that was causing me difficulties walking a little bit. I, I was having some weird memory lapses. Um, so I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I need to go back and, and get reassessed. So I got connected with the neurologist in um, college and did some more scans. And it's a process with MS because there's no positive yes or no test. You know, there's nothing on your blood or even though you have the MRI with the lesions, it doesn't necessarily mean it's definitely MS. So it was, I don't know, at this point, I kind of forget. And it was so overwhelming at the time. It's almost like blocked out of my mind, but it was, I don't know, maybe six to eight months of going to the doctor and, and him doing, you know, scans and tests. And I remember one was he told me to go home and take a hot bath mm-hmm. and sit in the hot bath for a long time. And I did. And I I didn't really know at the time or was educated enough to know that being in hot water for an extended period of time sometimes exacerbates uh, symptoms with MS. So took that hot bath and I got out and, oh my gosh, I, I didn't feel well. I felt very weak. My vision was going kind of uh, dark, blurry. I don't know how to explain it, but it was weird. Mm-hmm. It wasn't normal. And so, you know, went back to the doctor, um, reported my findings <laughs> from the bathtub. And, um, you know, eventually there is enough things to put together for him to feel confident in diagnosing me. And then there I was at 19 with the diagnosis. Had I not had meningitis, I could have just ignored the symptoms as, oh, I'm being forgetful. You know, you walk into a room and you don't know why you walked in there. That's everybody has that happen. Or, oh, my left leg feels funny. Oh, now it feels fine. I'm fine. So I feel like sometimes MS gets diagnosed a lot later because people may have these symptoms, but they keep on thinking, oh, it's gone. Oh, this is kind of a normal thing anyway. You know, so people at 40, 50 are getting diagnosed when they had these symptoms maybe a long time ago. But because I had that experience with the meningitis and knowing to be super in tune with it, um, I caught on to it really fast and and, um, got into a doctor and, and got the diagnosis probably a lot faster than I would have had that not happened. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um I mean, I think part of, a big part of your story is that you were diagnosed so young. I mean, 19 is really young to get an MS diagnosis. It is not typical. I used to go to meeting support groups with my mom, not very many of them because I didn't end up feeling like that was working for me personally, but 
we go and people would think my mom would have MS and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they realized it was me, they go, oh my gosh, you're so young. I, well, gee, thanks. I know. <laughs> That's not <laughs> helping me. Um, so yeah, 19 is very young. Yeah. I remember vividly the night that you told me. It was pretty soon after we started dating and we were at a Mexican restaurant in Old Town in San Diego. Um, and I remember you telling me, you know, I just got diagnosed with MS and I didn't really even know what it was. Um, mm -hmm. You kind of explained it to me. Um, and I, it was so hard to wrap my mind around it happening to someone else. How do you wrap your mind around it happening to you at 19 when your mind is like still developing, when you're in college, when you're like learning who you are, this giant piece of who you are is just plopped on your doorstep and you don't know what to do with it. So how did you wrap your mind around that? It was really hard. And honestly, I didn't wrap my mind around it for probably almost 10 years. Um, it's kind of a emotional thing for me to think about because like you said, at a time when you're going to college and you have all of these aspirations, I want to do this. I want to do that. I yeah. want to go overseas and study and all of this. I, when I got the diagnosis, I was angry. I was in denial. I was scared. I was afraid to um, make plans because what if my plans got derailed because my symptoms got worse? I mean, when you hear somebody having a mess, you think about, oh, you know, they can't walk. They're in a wheelchair and, you know, down the road. And um, you, you think of MS as being this, uh, you know, really life altering sentence. So I, I didn't know what to think it. I kind of lost my aspirations. I short sighted my goals to just finish college, you know, yeah. <laughs> not what do I want to finish a degree in? It was what's the easiest and quickest degree for me to finish college. You know, I, I don't have time to think of a bigger goal than that. Um, and then after college, it was what I need a job that just has health insurance, <laughs> let yeah. alone what kind of job did I actually <laughs> want? Yeah. Or, you know, what kind of career did I want to aspire to grow? It was, it was just, okay, I need a job with health insurance. Um, so, you know, to go back to the original question, I, I wasn't, I didn't really wrap my, my mind around it. I didn't know how far I should reach for my goals. Um, you know, my friends were traveling to South America and doing all this really cool traveling stuff. And here I am with medication that had to be refrigerated. <laughs> and, and how do I travel when I'm kind of tied to having to be around a refrigerator and constantly uh, giving myself shots? And so a lot of things just kind of went dark as far as goals and I was angry and, you know, I, I, I didn't wrap my hand. I didn't come to peace for almost 10 years. Um, yeah. yeah, it was hard. Yeah. And there's no shortcut to that, you know, mm -mm. for whatever it is that anyone's dealing with, wrapping it into your life takes a long time. And right. yeah. And I, I mean, I remember for sure you going through a hard time and I, I tried my best to support you. But I had no idea what I was doing. You know, well, I had no idea what I was dealing with. You, you definitely were a great support at a time that I needed it. 
I well, didn't know what that. I was doing. I didn't give you the easiest of times for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I also, I think back to the moments that I had impatience or anger or frustration towards you because of what you were going through. And I'm em- embarrassed by them now because I well, recognize- I probably don't even remember them. So. Well, I tried to hide them. You know, I, I recognize that, like, this is why it's so interesting for me because I've been on the other side of this now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like now I'm the person who is causing my significant other to have to watch someone be in pain. And that's a hard position to be in. Um, and, and I know from being on the other side of it, like when you were first diagnosed, that I wasn't always as patient as I could be. And sometimes I'd get upset because I wanted you to react to something in a different way than you were. But like, that's like not my place, you know? <laughs> and I, I'd never been through anything like that. And once I had, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. I know why yeah. she was angry now. Like now I completely understand why it took her a while to integrate this into her life. Um, right. And I just wish that I had been able, that I'd known that back then, because I feel like I would have been able to, um, you know, do a better job of supporting you in that time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a learning experience. And like I said, we, I think we were both just navigating the, the waters together. Um, and, and since dating uh, other people, it, it's always a thing to figure out how this works into a relationship and, yeah. and everybody's different. And, um, you know, and, and even, major pain aside relationships are hard and people get impatient and you wish the other person would would react a certain way so some of it is just how relationships are anyway but you throw in you throw in a chronic illness and yeah it does make it a little bit more of a curveball that's such a good point that's what i remind myself all the time is like i'm bringing this you know i'm bringing this major pain to the table so I need to make sure that whatever else I'm bringing to the table is, is put together well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be um, imposing any of my insecurities or whatever that um, any of my neuroses or whatever they are. I want to try to make sure that I am being the best partner that I can be outside of that because I know that I'm bringing that to the table. Yeah. So, in order for me to even, you know accept the fact that someone else would accept that i have to make sure that i'm um that like everything that i do my best to make sure that everything else goes well and i feel like that attitude has really helped my relationships a lot you know (laughs) just in general because of all the other things that can come up um that are completely unrelated that it takes a lot of time and skill to learn how to deal with those things and i feel like having something internal that you've had to learn to deal with first makes it easier to deal externally. Do you, does that make sense? And do you know what I'm talking about? I think, I think I'm tracking. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've learned throughout the years as I've gotten my shit together for lack of better words, my, you know, not throwing MS into the relationship and then blaming, you know, them getting mad at me. Well, I have MS and, you know, you can't, you can't get mad at me because I, whatever, you know, kind of playing, playing on your disease is Mm. something I kind of um, did because it was, it was harder in my twenties, just symptom and flare wise anyway. 
Hmm. But um, as as I learned to accept having MS, I, I didn't use it as a weapon or a feel bad for me. And you need to acquiesce to me because, you know, I'm a certain way. Um, and, and, and as I got MS under control, mentally and physically, um, not just relationships with, with boyfriends, but relationships with friends and family and everybody got better because I, I just was a better person. I felt like I just was happier. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know where I'm going, but no, it makes perfect I think I sense. I was tracking you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the point <laughs> of this being, you know, sometimes the really hard stuff makes the, makes it clearer what should be hard. Exactly. And then you can make the other stuff less hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to make it clear, there's a really confusing yeah. sentence. <laughs> yeah. I need to figure out how to be the best version of myself. You know, I need, I need to figure out how to get this under control and be okay with it myself so that my partner can support me in the best way they can. Absolutely. Well said. And using it as a weapon or a feel bad for me sort of uh, thing is not the best way to make your relationship go well and <laughs> expect the best from your partner to support you at all. Right. So I remember when you were first diagnosed, you had a time where you were, you know, really angry and sort of acting against your own best interests um, because of yeah. it. Is that something yeah. that you're comfortable talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, going back to me saying how I was angry and in denial and not really wrapping my mind around the diagnosis, I was kind of angry at my own body uh, for turning and betraying me. Like, mm -hmm. I can't believe my body, you know, I have MS. And it was like my mind was separate from the rest of my body. And I didn't respect my body. I mistreated it. I um, was also going through an eating disorder. Um, and, you know, I, I found ways to abuse my body because, you know, not eating or, um, you know, binging, purging, because I just didn't respect my body. Mm. You'd think that you get a um, chronic illness diagnosis and you do everything in your power to treat your body the best you can to mitigate your symptoms and, and hope for the best um, outcome and results. But, but I went the complete opposite route. <laughs> By, um, you know, like I said, just not nourishing my body appropriately, you know, drinking, um, not really being very good about taking the medicine that I should have been taking with MS. Um, just, I really didn't uh, respect my body for a long time. And because I was angry about it. Tell us about that medicine, because I, that, that stuff was nasty. Yeah. Um, so I've been through five different medications, um, you know, with seeing what works for me. Um, the first three were shots um, given at different uh, uh, frequencies. The first one was three times a week, subcutaneous. That was the one that you um, were around for. Yeah. And I would get horrible headaches. I would be out for 
you know, a day and then I'd have a good day and then it'd be time to take the medicine again. <laughs> so and that sucked. Wasn't it like green? It was like actual shots that you'd like have to give yourself in your leg. Yeah. Yeah. And then you rotate them around your body because you get welts. Um, yeah. So after that one really didn't seem to be helping, I switched to one that was um, every day, oh. <laughs> but it was less less known symptoms. And I really didn't feel any symptoms with that one. So that's great. But I had to take it every day, yeah. which going back to my previous point, I wasn't doing and <laughs> it left really bad welts on me, which I didn't like. Uh, so after not being good at a seven day medicine, I went to a intramuscular once a week shot. Um, so then I only had to do it for a week. Great. It was intramuscular, not great. Um, so I mean, the needle was, I don't know, two, two, two and a half inches long. And I had to stab it in my mm. leg. Um, the symptoms from that were sometimes flu like, um, I, and going back again to my previous point with not respecting my body, I come to this thing about, oh, I'll take my shot and then I'll, I'll drink. So I might not feel good, but I'll pee, you know, kind <laughs> of drunk and having fun. And, and maybe that can mitigate it, which makes no sense. But when you're 24 <laughs> years old, it makes some sense <laughs> anyway. And so I thought, I really had a system down yeah. um, <laughs> by doing that. And uh, that was stupid. And <laughs> then uh, finally, uh, oral medication came out. So um, I was all for changing because I hated the shots. And I had my worst flare up while I was on that intramuscular medicine. So then I switched to oral, which was twice a day. And, and you know, it, it was like taken, I don't know, not, not even Tylenol because that has a side effect of helping pain. It, it, you don't, I didn't notice anything at all, wow. um, which was great. Uh, so the first oral medicine side effect wise and easy to take wise was great. Uh, but my blood work was not great with that one. So um my doctor switched me to one more oral medication uh, that I've been on for the past four or so years. And um, I've been my best um, since switching to that medication, partly because of the medication, partly because, you know, I got my shit together. I came to terms and peace with the diagnosis. Um, I mean, a lot of things fell into place at that point by the time I was on that last medicine. So, um, that is the current medicine that, um, is working for me, although I'm currently not on it, um, because it's not tested, um, for pregnancy. So, yeah. so I am off it, but it's, 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 you know, MS medication is subtle. It's not like you go off it, like, like insulin and you immediately have a effect. Um, but since I've been off it for the past, uh, five months or so, I've, been okay so um hopefully i continue being okay yeah like so how how long do you have to be off before um bef is it something like you have to go off before pregnancy or is it like once you're pregnant you go off and how long do you have to stay off how does that so work my neurologist recommended um stopping it a month before we wanted to start trying okay and then staying off of it 
all throughout my pregnancy um, and breastfeeding. So, mm. so that's where we're at. And um, I mean, just to bring up another talking point about pregnancy and being off medication and all that, a concern of ours because I had to be off it the whole time we were trying. Um, fortunately, I got pregnant our first month of trying. So <laughs> yeah, wow, a miracle and amazing, and we're extremely blessed. Totally. But we were worried that you know some people take six months, a year, two years to try to get pregnant. And um, we were worried about like, well, gosh, like I don't have that much time to be off it for two years and then get pregnant for the nine months and then continue being off of it for breastfeeding. So we actually, um, before, uh, before trying, we froze uh, embryos um, so that if we felt like it was taking too long, We'd never really decided on a certain time. We just wanted that backup as uh, to say, okay, we're, we're eight months in. It's a, this hasn't happened yet. Let's uh, expedite the process and yeah. do IVF, yeah. um, which is probably something that people don't think of doing. <laughs> we, you know, to do uh, embryo freezing before even trying to get pregnant, you know, going to a doctor and saying, well, we don't have any known fertility issues yet because <laughs> we've never tried, but we still want to do this because of this reason. Um, it's just something a little, a different way of thinking when you have a, a MS or any kind of disease where that might be something to consider. Absolutely. So I'm really curious to hear about your transition into accepting the disease because it's obvious that you have learned how to live with it and learn how to approach it from a healthy standpoint. Um, and that's just such, such a valuable process, I think, for someone who's maybe at the beginning of their journey. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you were so young and the science has changed so much. And you really, I mean, I, you know, the type of medication you were on was horrible. And I remember how sick you would get after taking it. And mm -hmm. thinking like, this is to have, this is to be better. Like what, what does this mean? You know? Right. Um, so obviously like that medication changing is a huge part of it, but I also know that there's been a huge, um, you know, sort of emotional shift toward it. And I'm curious to hear how you got to that healthy place. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it came with maturity. I just was a late bloomer. Um, but coming to peace with it, I, it was just, you know, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. And I did that dance for a really long time. It wasn't like I woke up one day and was like, that's it. I'm making a change. And starting today, I'm going to be at peace with MS and I'm going to live a better life. Um, it was just over a series of uh, years in my late 20s that I just kind of, you start but let's see if I can explain this. You know, you start, you, you're on a habit of doing a certain thing because you get some kind of benefit or you think you do, but slowly the, the cons or the guilt from acting a certain way start outweighing, why the hell am I doing this? Why am I drinking every day or every other day and having a hangover every morning? But you keep doing it and you keep getting hungover, for example. 
And eventually you're like, I'm going to not, it's not worth it. You know, the drinking's not worth the hangover. So you kind of start not drinking because you'd rather not be hungover than be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I'm, using, I'm using that as an example that that was one thing that I, I drastically cut down my drinking, but just other things in life kind of had that same thing. I'm going to, I don't know. It wasn't one day. It was just a process of like, I'm tired of having this happen because I'm acting this way. I'm going to kind of start changing my attitude. Um, and it, I stopped wallowing in my victimization of myself and my self-pity. You know, I have a mess. I, I used to tell a lot of people, I have MS and, you know, I wanted to talk about it and I wanted to blame all of my little weird symptoms or something on MS it's because I have MS. Um, but, you know, now I think of it like, um, say I forget something or I, you know, have a little short-term memory thing. And, you know, I think of it like this. Everybody goes into a room at a certain point and they go, wait, why the hell did I walk in here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where did I put my keys? Um, so when that happens, is it, is it the disease? Do I, I used to go, oh, my MS, like, oh, it's getting worse or I'm having a, a, a bad day. Um, or I go, well, everybody has this happen to them every once in a while. So I'm not going to just jump to that. You know, um, or I don't know another example, but um, I just stopped kind of freaking out when things would happen. Like, uh, you know, I have I have bladder problems and sometimes I pee the bed. Well, you know, I bought a mattress protector and it's under the bed. And if I pee the bed these days, it's just like, oh, I peed the bed. No big deal. Sometimes I'll just throw a towel down and keep on sleeping. My husband's unfazed. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> care. Or, you know, I'll sleep on the couch and, or, and address it in the morning. But before it was, oh, my gosh, like, what's wrong with me? And this is scary. I can't believe this is happening. Um, you know, sometimes I lose my balance. And <laughs> it it's kind of funny now. Whereas before it was, oh, my gosh, like, uh what's happening? Is this going to keep happening? And of course, now, if something kept happening at a frequency, I would take it more seriously and, and, you know, see if there's actually a true pattern. But I just am trying not to get so wrapped up in, in identifying myself with the MS. Mm. And more like it lives inside of me and we're neighbors and we get along and we wave at each other and we keep on living our lives, if that makes sense. I love um, that. That's awesome. And I don't know how I came to this way of thinking about it. And I'm fortunate enough that my MS is has remained mild over these 15 years. I know that people struggle a lot more with the disease than I have experienced. And it may not be easy for them to laugh when they fall or, mm -hmm. you know, not freak out when 
something, you know, a symptom arises. Um, so I'm not, I'm not downplaying anybody else else's experience. Everybody's uh, MS is so different, Absolutely. but I'm thankful and fortunate that I can have this sort of relationship with it where I don't, I don't allow it to be in my life on a day-to-day basis. I mean, when I pee the bed or I, I run into a wall or, you know, kind of tip over, I really don't even think about it. It's just, I just carry on. I love that. I think that, you know, when you were, when you were younger, you were experiencing everything twice like it would happen and then you would be upset about it you know and now you've removed one of those where now it just happens and you don't have to be upset about it it is natural to be upset about it and it takes like conscious effort to not be upset about it until it doesn't you know Mm -hmm. and you it just takes time and it takes a lot of time yeah and and if if my symptoms were worse i don't know if i could do the way I think about it as easily as I do. Um, but regardless, it, it's just a process and it, everybody's different, Yeah. but that's what has worked for me throughout the years is just finding to be at peace with it. Yeah. It makes such a big difference. You know, it, I think the natural reaction is to, is to want to like push away this thing. But once you embrace it is when you can really start to live with it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, for people like us, we don't have a choice. It's not, it's not a choice. And like, it's not a choice whether or not you live with it. It is a choice how you react to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all, I think, fight it until we recognize that we, we're never going to win that fight because you're fighting yourself. And that if you embrace it, you are embracing yourself and it will be easier. And it's yeah. just a different process for everyone. But my hope is that hearing, you know, like if you could have heard yourself say that when you were 19 and like if it was someone else talking to you, like, you know, I know that there was no one else in your, in your life at that point who had MS and you were just going through this thing alone and you were so young and it was so scary. Um, you know, my hope is that... I mean- My hope is that that version of you who's living now, who's 19 and being diagnosed could maybe hear you talk about it and understand the way forward and maybe, you know, be able to get on that journey um, easier because you and I didn't have, you know, this opportunity when we were kids, you know? Yeah. If I was, I mean, when I was 19 and feeling all of these things I felt and I heard this, I'd probably be like, Oh, F you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the girl talking about how she's like friends with her MS. Whatever. <laughs> oh man. Like never. Well, I guess, yeah. Uh, then, never mind. Recording news. finished. I guess we don't need it. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sorry. Continue. No, it just, it's, it seems so far removed from point A at 19 to point B where I'm mm-hmm. at here, it wasn't a straight line. Yeah. It was sure. a lot of for zigzagging sure. upwind the whole time until yeah. uh, I got to this point B here and now. And who knows what point C is going to look like. Well, I also, I just want to take a moment and say how, as someone who sees you now and knew you then, that you've you've come so far, you know, like you've really 
um, you really learn to live with this in like in such a healthy way. And it's really amazing and really impressive. And I hope that you know that and are proud of yourself because like this is the type of work that you've done to, you know, to have your normal everyday life. And mm -hmm. a lot of people have their normal everyday lives without ever having to do anything like that and won't know that you've done this. Um, but it's just such an accomplishment. So I just, you know, in this setting where the where are people listening who will understand, you've just done such an amazing job. And I want that to be recognized. <laughs> Thank you very much. When you first asked me to join on your podcast about talking about MS, I wasn't really sure if I was the best person because I am, you know, the title of your podcast is called Major Pain. And to me, I'm at a place where it's not a major pain to me. It's yeah. this like thing that I live with. And I, I didn't know if I'd be the best representation to talk about the symptoms and why I'm in so much pain and, and chronic, you know, uh, illness and, and obstacles that I'm always facing. But as I thought about it, I still realized that I had a story to share about wh why and how I am at this place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Had you asked me to be on this podcast 10 years ago, I would be a completely different person having a completely different story, yeah. wanting to talk about all of the symptoms and, and flares and I can't feel my legs and, you know, all of, I want to, I would want to live in the symptoms and, and, Part of the battle, most of the battle has been more mental mm -hmm. than overcoming the physical symptoms for me. And I'm so happy that this is your story. Like, um, yeah, like I, just because the show is called Major Pain doesn't mean that I want the show to be just about people's pains. Yeah, I, I want it to be I about. I didn't mean that. It, yeah, oh, but, for sure. <laughs> but my own interpretation when you asked sure, me. Sure, sure. Well, do yeah, it. I think it's hard not to have like imposter syndrome when you get up and speak on something that is that is much bigger than your experience. Because, mm -hmm. like you said, MS is um, your MS is the only one like it. Like every other MS is different for every other person because mm -hmm. it's different in every person, and the differences can be pretty wide. So, yeah, but I, but I do, but the value of you sharing, you know, and I'm going to ask you some specifics about this, about what you've done that, have, that has helped, um, is that the, the thing that I'm so worried about is the people who lose hope because they feel oh, like, <laughs> because they feel like there's no, no better days coming. So to yeah. have someone who's in better days is so valuable, you know, because it's real, like you're doing it, you know, you exist. You were diagnosed with MS at 19. You're doing better now than you were then. That's amazing. So, and you know, I want to get into the details of that, but that's like, you know, that's why I've, you were one of the first people I wanted to talk to is because I think that your story is powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I would like to hear a little bit about, um, you know, I know that your flare-ups change all the time, but what is a bad flare-up for you? How does that manifest? Um, so my, the biggest reoccurring thing throughout the years has been um, my left leg, um, kind of just losing the ability to push in a clutch in a car, which I no longer drive a clutch <laughs> because of that reason. 
Um, but the, the, the left leg has been like the worst, I guess, for me. My worst flare up was um, started with pins and needle numbness at the bottom of my feet. And I was like, okay, that's, that's not, that's weird, but I can, I can manage that. But the pins and needle feeling started growing up my legs. And I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit worse. It went all the way up to my waist. Um, and then also grew into my left arm. And at first it was a really strange, I, I took off work for uh, a couple days because I was like, I don't even know how to walk right now. I can't feel anything. Hmm. Um, but my muscles weren't, weren't the problem. It was the sensation. Interesting. So I couldn't like feel pants on my legs. I couldn't feel my shoes. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't feel water running down me as I took a shower sheets in the bed. Um, and it was really scary because it was growing and I didn't know when it was going to stop. Was it going to take over my entire body? Um, I remember I was a server at the time and I couldn't hold things with my left hand. I didn't figure out that I could walk just was really weird. And I remember taking a break and going outside and calling my mom and crying. Cause I was just like, when is this going to end? It, it lasted for about a, a month. And, uh, is it going to get worse? Like I, this is really scary. Um, and that was at a time where I probably would say I was midway between being angry and being at peace. So I was, not my worst, not my best. Um, and, and after the month, it just kind of left my body the same way it came. Mm. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, so, so, and that was, that was about six or seven years ago that, and that's been the worst flare up that I've had since. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. Besides, besides flare ups, it's just little things right now. Like I said, you know, I, I pee the bed maybe a few times a year, which maybe everybody pees the bed a few times a year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, uh, sometimes incontinence, uh, you know, just pee just coming right down me. <laughs> And I do, um, you know, so there's the flare ups and then there's just kind of these day to day little, huh? Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. it. But I'm just going to keep living my life sort of thing. So I've, I've had two different kinds of, um, they're the ones that really impact your life for weeks at a time or then the ones that are just things that are there for the long run. Yeah. So there's like, recurring symptoms and then major flare-ups that are right. longer periods and they yeah. just kind of change and you know there's just no predicting it's just you never a, know what yeah. you're gonna get it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um so what are some of the specific things that you've done that have helped you um feel better and get in better touch with your body so um what's worked for me is changing my diet um, to be vegetarian 
have and that's not something that helps MS, but it helped me pay attention to my nutrition better. Mm. It also helped um, me get along with food better. As I mentioned, um, I had an eating disorder for a very long time. Um, so just getting to have a better relationship with food um, and, and switching to vegetarian worked for me, but you could do the same with meat, but just having a more nutritious um, habit helped. Um, I also really got interested in yoga. I grew up doing triathlons and lots of hard impact sports, swim, well, swimming not, but the running uh, track and cross country. And when I got diagnosed with MS and, and just change a lifestyle, it's kind of hard to keep up with that sort of exercise. And um, yoga really hit me as like my niche. And ironically, hot yoga, which I had previously mentioned, hot water and being in hot tubs, I mm. still stay away from because that kind of exacerbates and makes you feel really funky. Um, but hot yoga, at first, I thought, well, this is a bad idea. Hot weather and hot water and saunas aren't good for me, but hot yoga actually helped me hmm. um, exercise-wise and mind-wise. Uh, hot yoga, you're in a hot room, yes, but you're, you're able to sweat and keep your body temperature regulated, whereas in a sauna or a hot tub, you can't, you can't hmm. sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also circulation of air. So it, I was surprised that it actually worked for me and I didn't feel sick and, and it just clicked that I loved it. And um, it really helped me love my body, want to respect it, hmm. um, gave me goals of, you know, getting better and more flexible. So really between the hot yoga and the vegetarian diet, those two things helped me more mentally. And then I think the physical followed, uh, yeah. deal, deal with it or not even deal with it, but just find a better lifestyle that I think also subsequently is you know why I'm doing so well today and also not drinking so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love for I, everybody. <laughs> I love yoga. I yeah, there was a period of time where I was doing hot yoga regularly and I oh it's so good. And you're right, it does make you look at your body differently. Um and I, it's very worthwhile if if you haven't tried it out there. And not all hot yoga is created equally. Um they're not all as hot as others. There there's yeah. some that are like blazing hot and I avoid that, but you know, you go just, to a Bikram studio, you're asking for 105 degrees, but <laughs> I know there's other studios that do like 95 degrees and you yeah. know, a little, little bit less. So. Yeah. There's a studio here in Seattle, um, Breathe Hot Yoga, that does a stepped room. So it's hotter on one side than the other. So you can kind of pick your heat. And I don't go over to the hottest side. I go somewhere in the middle and it's just perfect for me. Um, yeah. That's really yeah. cool. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. I, you know, COVID has changed all of this, but uh, yeah, I haven't been to hot yoga yeah. over a year. I miss it. You can try to create it in your house, but the heating bill is not going to be kind. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the uh, something online. You can get this like uh, contraption 
like a blow up room that you heat up. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds expensive. Uh, that's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. You got to have a really big house for that. Yeah. To fit a blow up room inside of your room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I saw your wedding photos recently and they're so beautiful. I'm, I'm just so happy for you. And um, you. I l- just love seeing all the love that is in your life. How, how did MS affect your relationship with your husband? Um, it really hasn't at all. Um, he's a physician. So what better person to be with? Mm-hmm. Um, when I told him, uh, so let me pause Telling somebody that you have MS in a relationship is always hard. Do you tell them right up front? Do you tell them three or four dates in? Do you wait Mm -hmm. two, three months? And then they're like, why did you not tell me this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when I did tell him, it it wasn't first thing. It it was maybe a few dates in. It's always a little scary because you don't know how somebody's going to react. Um, but I had a pretty good feeling that he would understand and, and not run for the hills, um, which nobody has. Usually it's always either a good reaction or uh, and you don't really get a reaction out of them and you have to see how they act later. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but, but with my husband, it, it was, it's just always been a non-issue and um He's particularly a radiologist. So, I mean, even better, I get an MRI and I get to have a second opinion. Oh, that's uh, nice. Someone will really look. Yeah. (laughs) They really look and make sure that reports were read correctly. Um, And and he's such a great support. You know, like I was saying, I I pee the bed. I I peed the bed with past people and, oh, what the hell? And made me feel really embarrassed and ashamed and Mm. He doesn't even lose a wink of sleep over it. He'll just stay on his side as long as it didn't cross over there. And, <laughs> um, you know, he's he's a huge support. He um, helps me stay in a good mood when when something say like that happens. He understands my peeing habits. You know, having to go before we leave the house, having to go before. We leave wherever we went. Um, we were just flying the other day and we're getting ready to board. And I'm like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. I mean, definitely being pregnant too. It's like double fold right now with my frequency. And I don't even chance when I feel like I have to pee because it can go from I'm holding it to it's coming out really fast. <laughs> so he he's like, better go, better hurry up and go to the bathroom. And we were late to get on the plane, but you know, he's, he gets it. And um, yeah, it, he's, he's great. It, it's just really not an issue at all. That's amazing. That's like the best yeah. answer you could have for that. Um, that made me think, you know, well, first of all, two things. One, when you told me you had MS when we were dating, you did a really, really good job. It was like, I don't remember what I said. It was like a couple of dates in um, just long enough to to know that there might be some potential, but not too long where it felt like an omission or a lie of any kind. Right. Right. And you were, you did a really good job of explaining to me what it was and, you know, what it might mean and not putting any pressure on me. So just from, you know, 
from someone who's willing to, who's actually able to give you a report card on what we were just talking about. A plus. It's very Thanks. good. Um, and then as far as like, you just made me think of something that I just want to share, which is like, don't, don't pee shame people. You know, if people need to go pee all the time, don't shame them for that. If you're on a long road trip and someone has to stop and pee, they have to pee, you know, pull the car over. Let's go. I pee. mean, and that goes to say for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. No, for anyone. Yeah. That's yeah. what I mean is like, because I grew up with this idea that you were supposed to like hold your pee, you know, like if you had to pee more often than other people, there's something wrong with you. And sometimes people have different bladders and just their bladder isn't as big. And that's not something to shame them for, you know, Yeah. so let people pee when they got to pee. That's all. Yeah. Just got to get on my yeah. high horse for a second. <laughs> as, but I, I say that because I used to feel this way. Like I used to be someone who was like, oh, you have to pee again. You know, like I did that when I was younger and I now know that that's dumb. So I wish I could tell myself not to do that. <laughs> well, and I, I dated somebody long time ago who would be upset that I'd always be tired. Fatigue is also a uh, very common mm -hmm. and one of those kind of ongoing things with uh, people that have a mess and I always play this game, but some people are just tired anyway, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. with MS too. So am I just a tired person or am I tired because of mass? I don't know, but I'm, yeah. I'm a tired person. And um, <laughs> he would get upset because I would fall asleep and maybe be too tired to go out. You know, mm. this is when you're 21, 22 and I'd be too tired and, or just fall asleep on the couch or fall asleep, you know, very easily. And he would get upset at me all the time. And I thought it'd be smart and helpful to go online and print out Google uh, websites that I found about, you know, MS fatigue and, and give them to him. I mean, like, look, this isn't my fault. Here you <laughs> go. Breed. And he got all <laughs> upset and threw them at me. What is this shit? You know, and like, okay, well, I don't know how else to explain to you. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. You know, whether it's because MS, which I think it, maybe it's worse because of it or I'm just a tired person. I can't help falling asleep. So he didn't take it very well. And needless to say, that didn't last. But um, yeah, you know, some if somebody's upset at you because of a symptom that you're having because of your illness or disease, probably should reassess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There, there's something else I wanted to ask you about something you said earlier, you mentioned that you are vegetarian, but that that doesn't help with MS. Are there dietary restrictions that help with MS? Are there things that you avoid because um, of that specifically? No, I don't. There, there are some diets that say are helpful for people that have MS and I can't even give you the name of them. I looked into them you know, so long ago. Um, that I just don't even remember, but I found that the restrictions were kind of enabling my eating disorder for me mm -hmm. personally, mm -hmm. they weren't the right restrictions mm -hmm. for me to have a healthy relationship with food. So I didn't proceed sticking to them. So, I mean, there are theoretical diets that out there on Google that I have come across throughout the years that do say that they could help, but it wasn't for me. Um, yeah. That's so wise. That's so, so I'm so glad that you made that choice because 
Um, I, so I, I, as far as I know, I don't have MS, but I've been evaluated for it a bunch of times. And I was seeing a functional medicine doctor who said, you know, you don't have MS, but you have similar symptoms. So why don't you try this MS diet? So I've actually done one of them mm-hmm. um, from this Does doctor. Does like not eat bread or gluten? Well, it was, uh, it was Dr. Terry Walls, um, the Walls protocol. And it was like the extreme wor- version, which is basically like a modified ketogenic diet um, where you eat like a lot of organ meats and no grains yeah. and you get yeah. your body into ketosis, lots of coconut oil, lots of leafy greens. Um, and, you know, she has this, I, I read her book as well. And her book is all about how she has MS and she was, you know, needing a wheelchair pretty much all the time and then developed a diet that allowed her to walk normally again. Um, and that's kind of what she, you know, advertises her diet with. Um, but it's also like, this is one person, one body, you know, that this one thing um, worked for according to this person. And I think that there is danger in, in anyone saying, oh, this is the diet that will fix anything. Cure Bec- a disease. Yeah. yeah, because unless there is like peer-reviewed scientific data, um, not to say that these things aren't worth trying, but I feel like if it doesn't work for you, don't do it, you know? And I'm now finding out, like, I'm, I'm still waiting, 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 waiting for my um, genetic testing from Wilson's disease. It's driving me absolutely crazy just waiting to find out if I finally have an answer. But mm-hmm. I've been reading about Wilson's disease and the list of things you can't eat because they will make you worse are organ meats, leafy greens, um, and a lot of the things that were in the Walls diet that I tried. Wow. So, yeah, it's like if I had stuck with that, if I have Wilson's disease, I could have caused serious nerve damage because that's mm-hmm. like very high in copper foods. And Wilson's disease, you have to eat like a copper-free diet. So, like that's a situation where there is like scientific evidence, do not eat these foods if you have this disease and you just have to do it, you know? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And if, if that doesn't exist, everything else is optional. And if it doesn't work for you, do not do it. If it triggers worse issues, do not do it. You know, I, I love that you came to that choice on your own. I think that's such a good idea. I think it's just, I mean, I'm no dietitian, but I'm really into just listening to your body and, and figuring out what it needs. If I went on the vegetarian diet and I realized that my body was craving meat, I wouldn't have stayed on it, but I went on it for a month just for fun. And then I was like, well, let's keep, let's keep going. And now it's been uh, almost a decade. Uh, So it, it's just about listening to your body and for me. And um, I mean, the walls diet, that sounds familiar. Um, That may have been something that I had come across, but no grains is just like <laughs> really hard for me because yeah. my body loves loves rice and quinoa and, mm-hmm. and bread and um that's something that if i cut out my body would miss it so i'm not going to cut it out unless it's something like how you're mentioning do not eat this because it has copper in it and right. you have a <laughs> copper disease otherwise um i think every, it's subjective to your own anatomy and composition. Absolutely. And, you know, these are our opinions. We are not medical exactly. professionals. Um, yeah. Yeah, not this, your is, this is our lived experience. Um, yeah. And I, it's something that I've come to feel more and more passionately about because 
I've had so many diets pushed in my face and none of them have really helped, you know? And I've tried a lot and it frustrates me when sometimes the first thing I'll hear from someone when I tell them I have a chronic illness is to get one of those diets, you know, suggested again. Um, it frustrates me, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about it because it's happened quite a few times. I want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if some, there's people out there, if you've done that to me, I, I'm not mad, you know, it's not like that. It's just, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, I've tried these things and I, and I have become increasingly convinced that because there is like so much money being made off of these diets and these books about how to eat, what to be your healthiest self, you know, these people, it's not in their like a hundred percent best interest to, to be super clear about the fact that this is different for every person um, because it is absolutely different for every person. And I feel like there's an element of it that is dangerous. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you agree with that? I do. I just, I think for me, it's everything in moderation, whatever is good for you. I don't believe in any strict diet that, you know, cuts out food groups that have a lot of nutrition, unless there is some like true medical reason why these are bad, you know, allergies, obviously, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it hasn't been something that I look at diet as a way of managing my disease. It, I look at diet as a way of managing my, my overall health and, and just, uh, mental, like feel good about myself, Yeah, which then in turn helps me manage my disease. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, feeling good about yourself is critical and it's the hardest thing in the world. So it is, you for, think it shouldn't be, but it really is. It's like, I don't know when you're, when you're first born, like having a personality is kind of just instinctual, you know, like you'll have an attitude about something. Um, and that's just part of who you are. And like, people love that about you, but then like maybe later on in, in life, you realize, oh, this attitude might be holding me back from being happier. And then it's like, okay, this was my natural personality. Can I change this? And the yeah. answer is like, over time, yes, you can. You know, you can feel differently about things in the future than you did in the present. And it's just really hard and takes forever. It's like yeah. the simplest thing, but it's so hard. And it doesn't, you don't really realize when it happens. Except when you look back mm. over a long period of time and you go, wow, I've changed. I don't know when or how or what exact moment, you know, led me on a different trajectory, but time, you know, it, sorry, my cat just jumped on me. <laughs> <laughs> time is, is I, I don't know what I'm saying, but it, allowing that time to pass allows the change. I don't know. You can yeah. cut that off. <laughs> no, this is this is the wisdom. This is the Yoda stuff. Getting in deep now. Yeah. It's also just so good to see how good you're doing and how much love you have in your life and how much joy you have in your life. Um because, you know, you seem to me to be happier now than you've ever been. Yeah. Um I would definitely agree with that and I'm I'm just so thankful for where I am and you know, I, I've had conversations with my husband about 
feeling um, recently, actually, just like feeling regret about my younger past dealing with MS and how I feel like I missed a lot of opportunities and aspirations because I was too busy wallowing in the disease itself. Um, you know, my, my husband was such a go-getter and, and he thrived through his educational journey to become a, a doctor and um, didn't, he had his own struggles, but, you know, not some kind of physical, fearful barrier. Um, and, and so when I share these things with him, I, you know, talk about how like I have these regrets, but at the same time, I wouldn't be where I am had I not had the experience that I had over the last 15 years and met him. So I'm so happy and, and grateful for the experience that I had, even though if I look at, you know, certain time frames, yeah, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. And wish I had this opportunity and didn't have to deal with this. Well, who would I be if I didn't even have MS? But I wouldn't change it because none of none of uh, what I had in the past would have led me down the path that I am now, and I'm I'm doing really well. So yeah, that's awesome. Do you do we know how MS is contracted? Is it genetic? Is it a virus? Do we do we even know that for sure? I know that there is um, a genetic factor to it. Um, but I think it's still a very unknown thing that there's still being research done. I have, don't have anybody in my family on either side that has MS or any kind of neurological, um, history. So how I got it, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, is it possible to be passed down? Possibly, but uh, I think there's a lot of other factors that go into it. So it's it's really hard to say. I know I was uh, at, <laughs> just a little story. I was at a doctor's office for my neurologist one day, sitting in the waiting room with another woman, um, and we were chatting. And she asked if I had kids. I said no, but. Um, you know, my, my boyfriend and I were planning on getting engaged and married and we're really excited to start having kids. And she started talking about how she has kids, but she wasn't diagnosed uh, when she had them. And had she been diagnosed before she had kids, she would never have had kids. Hmm. And I'm just like, wow, you know, that's not really what I want to hear. <laughs> But because she's saying because of the genetic factor, but if everybody didn't have pass, you know, pass their genes along and have kids because of illnesses and genetic reasons, I I mean, I can't imagine how reduced our population would be. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, going in a circle here, there's genetic possibilities with the disease, but they're so unknown. You just, you just don't know. Yeah, and you can't, you can't not live the life that you want to live because yeah. of unknowns, you know? Right. You know, if there was like a definitive, you could make 
a definitive decision, but in the lack of definitives, you just make your personal choice and it's Mm -hmm. right for you, you know, Mm -hmm. and we all have the right to do that for ourselves. And you live a rich, full life, full of joy and you have MS. So, you know, um, you know, so you get to make that choice for yourself. And, and I, I think that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I think part of your story that's so amazing is that the science has really caught up with you where there's now a pill that you can take that is helping and keeping, um, you know, helping to keep your symptoms at bay. So I know that there's a lot happening looking towards the future. Is that something that you keep up with? Like what is happening with the future of MS research and where things are going? Um, You know, I feel like my answer should be yes, but I I really have not been... um, diving into like research course if an article pops up on my newsfeed or whatever, and it's related to MS, I'll definitely click and and read it. But I, I'm not actively and avidly learning what kind of developments are um, going on with MS. And part of that is just kind of my new approach with MS and which is not letting it kind of consume me a whole bunch and just Mm. living my life most days without thinking about it, kind of being on a autopilot um, way of dealing with things. And so I don't have to think about it all the time. Um, So no, I I haven't, but now I'm curious to (laughs) see if there's anything, but I found what works for me medicine wise, at least for the time being, you know, so I guess I just kind of am at a lull or a piece with it where I'm not, uh, you know, at the keyboard trying to find out what's going on, what's going yeah. on. Well, that's great. I mean, that's really awesome because I, you know, just thinking back to the shots you were taking in college, I just remember thinking so vividly like, man, I really hope that they, they come up with better options than this, you know? Yeah. It was always so in your face with doing a shot. Like, yeah. ugh, like you really had to, realize I'm doing this because I have MS and this sucks and I have to take this shot. I'm going to feel most likely shitty because of it. And this perpetual cycle, whereas the medicine, the oral pill, you can take it like a vitamin and you don't even really think about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes just, you know, learning to let go and live is the most important thing. And if you're, you know, constantly reading about it or researching or or whatever, you're taking away from your living time. And if you're able to live because of the medicine that you have, then, you know, then live, you know, forget everything else. I think that's actually a really healthy mindset. I think that, you know, connecting to the things you need and disconnecting from the hypotheticals is, is a good idea because, you know, like whatever research is happening with MS is not here now. You know, if, Mm -hmm. uh, if something is here now, like this new pill that you're on, your doctors will tell you, and that's great, but you don't have to be aware of like things that may or not may may or may not happen in your lifetime, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I just kind of got tired of living in the disease, constantly thinking about it, reading about it all the time, looking at my symptoms, going on message boards, what are other people's symptoms? You know, it it kind of was uh, my mom calls analysis by or paralysis by analysis. <laughs> That's great. Or you just you, you you just get in this rabbit hole of living in it way too much, and and instead I just like to live 
with it. And most of the time it's, I just have this metaphor of it's, you know, my neighbor in my brain (laughs) and I live with it and we get along. Yeah. I think that's so valuable. Um, So just to wrap things up, is there anything that you could say to your 19 year old self that you think would be helpful? (laughs) I mean, to my 19 year old self, no, I was so stubborn. (laughs) And I was a big fan of your 19 year old self, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe I got to give my 19 year old self a little bit of credit, but you know, it's a journey. Um, It doesn't happen overnight. The place you want to be, you might not even see or imagine the place you want to be at your current moment because you're too far into, you know, emotions and, and dealing with things. But I think a couple, you know, silly cliche things that I, I keep in my mind are, you know, two steps forward, one step back. It's okay. If you have setbacks, it's okay. If you have bad days, bad months, a bad year, um, but just never losing hope and never losing sight and um, just not giving up. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I have to say you've developed such strength and steadiness that is so admirable for someone with a chronic illness. It's really amazing. And I'm just so proud of you and so happy for you. And, you know, I'm really grateful that you came on the show today and shared well, your story thank with you us. For having me. I really appreciate it. Is there anything that you want to shout out or plug or point people in the direction of while you're here? <laughs> um, not really. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, dad. Hi. Hi, family. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I, I don't. Well, great. And we made it. <laughs> All right. Well, Lauren, thank well, you so much. Pleasurable experience. Thank oh, you. good. You did a really, really great job. I know you were, you mentioned being a little nervous and you'd never nervous. know. You did fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to all of our $2 a month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, including Naomi Adele Smith, and our future producers at $25 per month. Learn more at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.